This week's class is an unusual talk um, on a unique subject in uh, this week's Parsha. And I'm going to begin with a little bit of background so that we uh, are familiar with some ideas before we go on to the, this, uh, this subject. The first is the difference between two forms of interpretation of the Torah. There are a number of styles and uh, ways that we interpret the Torah. The simplest way to interpret the Torah is called pshat, or as Rashi, who sees it as his job to interpret the Torah to, in his commentary in a way that the student will understand the simple meaning of the verse. Um, so he focuses on pshuto shalmikra, the simple meaning of the verse. There's another form of study called drush, which is translated as homiletics, which is uh, a little bit difficult to explain, but we'll explain it in contrast to the simple explanation of the verse to a, 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 a more a flowery and less strict to the actual precise um, a wording in the verse that is used. Again, it's an accurate um, explanation, um, but it doesn't hold strictly to making sure it explains exactly how the verse sounds literally. Um, so that's one point I want to I want to use as a, a, by way of a background. Another point is um, a letter uh, known as the mapik hey. A mapik hey. You may be familiar with the Hebrew language, the letter hey, and sometimes the letter hey has a dot in it. And when it has a dot in it, we call it a mapik hey. And the difference between a, a hey that has a dot or doesn't have a dot is whether the hey is pronounced or not. And generally in Sephardic um, enunciation, uh, Sephardim are very good at pronouncing the hey. They've been raised um, that way, where Ashkenazic Jews are a little bit weaker um, in pronouncing the hey when it has that dot in it too. So for example, the word we're going to be discussing um, through... Um, this talk is the word law, which is spelled with a lamin and a hay. Now, the, the, if the hay would have a dot in it, as it usually does in the Torah, it would be pronounced as law, and you pronounce the hay in some way with a, a more of a maybe a guttural sound, law. Um, whereas if the, the hay does not have a dot in it, it's just law. You're only pronouncing the lamid with the vowel underneath the lamid, but you're not pronouncing the hay. And the dot basically gives emphasis to the hay, whereas the lack of that dot, if it's not a mapic hay, then it diminishes, it takes away from emphasis. Um, another thing is we're going to be referring to an, uh, to an interesting and uh, um, prophecy from Prophet Zechariah, uh, one of the great prophets, where he had a prophecy where he saw two women flying to Babylonia, to Bavel. Um, and they were, um, they were going there, and um, the Talmud tells us that these two women were a representation of arrogance and flattery, and that they were going to build a home there, and to build a home for arrogance and flattery, because Babylonia would become a center of, um, in the world of people who are arrogant and flattered. And, and, and not flattered, and people who would flatter others. They would use that um, ugly trait. Now, arrogance as, um, ultimately was moved to another place called Elam. 
And we have to understand these ideas a little bit metaphorically, because two women representing arrogance and flattery, we're not, we're not talking about real women, we're talking about a vision that Zechariah had in his prophecy, and they represented, and, the, and the, these, these things, visions that he saw represented these ideas. Okay, so now let's begin the, uh, the talk that the Rebbe gave um, on this week's parasha. Um, and it's on the very last words, we read a double portion <coughs> this week, um, uh, Matos and Masse, the very last words um, of the portion of Matos, of the first portion that we're going to read, is um, where it tells us, Vayikra Allah, he called her, referring to a city, Noivach. He called the name of the city Novach, Bishmo, with his name. So the, uh, the this was a city that was in Transjordan. And um, this man, Novach, a, a Jewish man, conquered this city because we know two and a half tribes amongst the Jewish people stayed in Transjordan. Um, they, they, they negotiated with Moshe to be able to get their, uh, to get their portion of land there. And one of the cities that were captured was the city, which was an Amorite city, which Novach called Novach. Now, the strange thing is that when it says, Vayikra Allah, he called her, referring to the city, the word Allah, with a he at the end, does not have, is not a mapike, doesn't have a dot. And that's surprising, because everywhere in the Torah, it always, the, the, the he, of law always has a is always a mapike, except for three places which we're going to discuss today, and this is one of those three cases. So of course Rashi um, immediately comments on this because what is the simple meaning of this word law lacking um, this grammatical feature, which is always there? So Rashi quotes Arab Moshe Hadarshan, who lived about a thousand years ago. Um, uh, who, who Rashi quotes from time to time, and. Um, and and Ramesha Darshan explains that the reason why the mapik that this hay is not a mapik hay, it doesn't have the dot, is because the the um, the naming of this city of calling it Neuvach was not an everlasting name, because even though for a temporary time it was called Neuvach, but eventually it was recaptured, it was taken away, and therefore it was it was no no longer had the name of Neuvach. So because it wasn't eternal or wasn't everlasting, so we don't emphasize the hay to show that there was a weakness to the naming because the name was not everlasting. And in fact, he says that the word law, if you just hear it from the sound without knowing the letters, one can also spell it Lamed Aleph, and you can pronounce it the same way, law. And in Aramaic, we know um, that Lamed Aleph law uh, means no. So, by Yikra he did not call it, is what it would mean, in some respect. Which means that his calling was not a calling, which means it wasn't an everlasting calling. Um, <clears throat> now, and then Rashi, after he quotes Rabbi Meshach Adarshan to explain why it's not a mapike, he, he wonders why there are two other places in Tanakh. That's Torah and Nevi'im Ksuvim. That we know there are the five books of Moses, the Torah. The Nevi'im are the books of the prophets. And then we have the Ksuvim, the books of writings. And this, these are all the 24 canonized books known as the written law. And in two of the other, in two other areas, which are not in the Torah, the five books of uh, Moses, but in Nevi'im and Ksuvim, once in Nevi'im and once in Ksuvim, once in Zechariah, and once in the book of Rus, we find, again, the law with Adam Apikei. So Rashi wonders, he says, Vitimani, I wonder, which is not the common term that Rashi uses, as we'll see. Rashi usually would say, 
I, it's difficult to understand. Over here he doesn't say it, which, which the Rebbe is going to focus on because Rashi's nuances are very particular. So he says he wonders why he would expl- how Rameshar Darshan would explain the other two places in Tanakh where it says La with Adam Apike. The first place is um La Boyaz. He quotes from the book of Boaz, which is from the section of Ksuvim of writings. And the other place is Livnay Slaw Bayas to build for her a house, which is the prophecy I shared with you earlier from the Zechariah from the prophets. Now, before we continue, I just want to point out that this entire class is focused on Adat, which is really fascinating to be able to see the richness of the Torah, that every single, even the Adat, has such significance that we can have a half-hour conversation and discussion about this, which gets, which gets uh, quite extensive. Um, as well, that this may not capture your imagination, the conversation, the, the, this whole conversation. And it's important to know that we study Torah because it is the wisdom of God. And the value of studying um, something such as this is to, be, is to begin to be able to appreciate that every single aspect of Torah has such tremendous depth to it. And that every little dot in the Torah is of the greatest significance. So the Rebbe asks a few questions. Firstly, he asks if Reb Moshe Hadarshan, his, um, if his explanation is not explaining the simple meaning of the verse, then why would Rashi bring it? Rashi is dedicated to And on the contrary, over here it seems that Ramesha Darshan's explanation is, opposes the simple understanding. The simple understanding is that he called it a name. Ramesha Darshan says that the word la, de-emphasizing the letter he, meaning we can replace it with an out of which means he did not call it, would be the opposite of what, what, what the verse is saying. So Rashi could have said, like he says in other places, Le'edaiti, I don't know why there's no Mapike. But, but if Rashi is dedicated to Pshutei Shlomikra, the simple meaning of the verse, why would you bring Rabbi Meishah Darshan's explanation? Of course, this would mean that Rabbi Meishah Darshan must be explaining the verse in, uh, alongside the simple meaning of the verse. That's what the answer is going to be. Um, why did, the second question is, why does Rashi mention the, the, the two, from the two other examples he brings, where she, he says, I wonder why there's no Mapike, he first quotes the verse from the book of Rus, of Rus, and then from the book of Zechariah. Now, the book of Rus is in the Ksuvim, in the writings. The book of Zechariah is in the prophets. We know there's the five books of Moshe, there's the prophets, and then the writings. Rashi should quote in order. Rashi is very precise. He should first quote the verse from the prophets and then from the writings. And lastly, the Ramban who's a commentator on the Torah, um, Nachmanides, he, he, he quotes a Midrash Rus, which explains why there is no Mapike in these other two the, uh, 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 verses of Zechariah and Rus. So why does Rashi wonder? How would Ramesh Hadarshan explain these other two verses without a Mapike? There's a, there's, a, there's a Midrash that explains it. That's how Ramesh Hadarshan would explain it too, possibly. We also know that the Talmud in Sanhedrin explains that the lack of the mapeke in the prophecy of Zechariah is because, as I mentioned earlier, even though um, these the, the vision that he had represented flattery and arrogance, we know that arrogance ultimately was moved from Babylonia, from Babel, to a city called Elam. So ultimately, um, it was um, 
It didn't stay there. So therefore, similar to here where we're saying the name of the city didn't stick eternally, likewise, arrogance, one of the two um, negative character traits that were bestowed upon Babylonia, one of them didn't stay there, was moved on. So maybe that, so so that could be an explanation. That, and the Talmud actually says that's an explanation as to why there's no Mapike. Now, now, um, now Rashi says, and actually, the the way we know that arrogance moved from um, from Babylonia, from Bavel to Elam, is because it says law. The word law is singular in Hebrew. Uh, it says so. So again, the the, the verse over there was live nice law bias to build for her for arrogance and a flattery a house. But the word law is a singular word in Hebrew. If you want to say um, to build for them a house, it would say a live nice lahan bias. The fact that this is law is singular. That is what teaches us that arrogance moved. Because the fact that he uses a singular word tells us only one of the two character traits stayed in bubble. Um, that's how Rashi understands it. But that doesn't mean Rabbi Meisha Hadarshan could not have under, understood this interpretation as the Talmud states that, it was the, that there was no mapike. That's what teaches us that one of them moved. So these are the questions of, uh, uh, that the Rebbe asks, and I hope you're still with me. <laughs> and so, uh, so the Rebbe begins to explain. Every explanation... So even an explanation that Rashi brings that is a quote from our sages will always be associated with the simple meaning of the verse. So therefore, um, we know that if he brought Ramesh Hadarshan's explanation here, it must be assisting with the simple understanding of, of, of the verse. And that we need to, we need to figure out how, the, uh, how that is. Now, Rashi's wonder that he says, I wonder how Rameshur Adarshan would explain in the other two places, in, uh, in the other two verses, um, is not, um, is, is he's wondering how it's going to explain the simple meaning in the other verses. So that's why Rashi doesn't say it's difficult to me. Um, he just says it's a wonder to me. He's wondering whether this explanation that Rameshur Adarshan uses here. Um, would work, how they would work to explain the simple meaning of the verses in the other places. Now, now it could be that the other places, um, they don't have a simple meaning. Um, not, not, once we move out of the five books of the Torah, and you go to the, to the prophets and the writings, not always is a verse expressing a literal meaning, but it's sometimes expressing a little bit more of a, a metaphoric meaning, if you will. Um, or, or, or more a flowery meaning than the than the than the literal words, um, so that could be what's going on in those other places. But that's the reason why Rashi doesn't say that this is difficult, because he's not asking a difficulty as if he has a question. He just has a wonder as to whether Meishar Darshan's explanation in these other two verses can be explained in the uh, it can explain the verses in their simple and literal meaning. So let's first understand how. Um, Ramesh Adarshan's explanation on our verse here in the Torah is explaining the simple, literal meaning of the verse. Because the way he explains it is, he says, the reason why it doesn't have a mapik hey is because we don't pronounce the hey. Therefore, we can even hear it spelled as a lamed with an aleph, which means vayikra Allah noivach, that he didn't call it noivach, which is the exact opposite of the literal meaning. So therefore, Rashi writes that the drush, he uses, the Rashi uses the word mimidrashai, um, from the drush, we can allude to 
the meaning of this word meaning no. That, that the word is law, which means by Yikra law he called her. He called the city Neuvach. But the fact that it doesn't have a mapake opens up the ability for someone to hear the word as law with an aleph, which means no. That's not what it says, but it alludes to the fact that no, which then gives a weakening to the name because there's room now for this word law, which means no, and that is the indicator that it is not everlasting. And that fits with the literal meaning of the verse. That it, We're not taking away from the literal meaning that he called her Neuvach, but we now have an illusion that enhances the meaning that this call of how long this calling lasted for. And now we can understand why the same explanation would not work in the story of, in the verse of Rus. And let me give a little bit of background to this. Um, Rus um, was a Moabite woman who married a, a Jew, the, the son of Naomi, um, who passed away, her husband passes away. Naomi, her mother-in-law's husband, that means Rus's father-in-law also passes away. And Naomi was living in a Moabite land with her family and she moved back to Israel. And Rus, who's a Moabite woman, goes with her. And she goes collecting, as poor people do, um, gleanings that fall from those who are harvesting in the field. Those belong to the poor people. And so Rus went to collect that. And Boaz get, um, finds out that this, uh, who, Boaz is a relative of Naomi and of Naomi's um, uh, deceased husband. And, f- and he finds out that this, that this woman, Rus, is a Moabite woman who chose to come to Israel with, um, with her mother-in-law, which is, a very, which is a very unpopular thing for a Moabite woman to do. Um, and when he uh, extends himself to her, uh, befriend, you know, um, sh- uh, shows warmth to her, Rus says, I'm not as important as, other, as the other maidservants because she was a Gentile. She wasn't even Jewish. So Boaz said, um, at the time of eating, join me. That's what he said to her. At the time of eating, join me. And Boaz said law to her. That's with the word law, which does not have a mapike. So and Boaz said to her to, to join me in the time of eating. So the Medrash says that God forbid that, you, that Boaz told Rus, God forbid that you should say, you're not as important as my other maidservants. And he, and he used the play on words as the Medrash uses. You're not one of the Amahois. You're not one of my maidservants. You're one of the Imahois. You are one of our matriarchs. Putting her in the status of, of um, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, our four matriarchs. Uh, which he must have seen in her because she ends up converting and becoming a, a Jewish woman and a historic, the historic, um, a historic Jewish woman who becomes the, the great-grandmother of King David. So when it says, by Allah, he says to her, what he was saying was, he said to her, no, what you said, that you are not one like one of my maidservants, no, you're even better than one of my maidservants. Um so he negated what she said. So, so if we're going to translate the word law here, as by Yomer Allah, he told, he said no, he's negating what she said, not supporting what she said. Meaning that we cannot explain this verse um, similar to Ramesh Darshan, 
that it's explaining the literal meaning of the verse, because it's actually explaining the exact opposite of the literal meaning of the verse. She said something, and he's now coming and negating everything that, uh, that she said. So he's not just softening what she said, as in, as in our verse in our, our Torah portion, where we're saying that he named uh, her, the city, this name, but that name was a weak name because it didn't last. But over here he's saying what you said, not only am I not agreeing with what he said, I'm telling you the opposite of what you said. Likewise, when, it, when we discuss um, the, the verse from Zechariah, Livna Slabais, to build for her, for, for flattery and for arrogance, a, a home in Babel, um, the true, um, it's true that arrogance wasn't permanent in Babel. So the, the, the building of, of, of arrogance was soft because it didn't stay permanently there, which would sound like the same interpretation we're giving, Rabbi Meishu Darshan gave to our verse of the naming of the city of Neivach. But the fact that he used the word law, which is singular, tells us it's only talking about one of the two characteristics, which would be bribery and not arrogance. So we wouldn't be able to explain the lack of mapeke in the same way we do over here. The rabbi then goes on to explain um, that the Medrash gives an explanation um, that the reason why it uses a, it doesn't use a mapeke in this verse is because we know that flattery um, and and arrogance are both things which are not they're both lies, they're both built on lies, on untruths. Anything untrue is not lasting. Is not lasting. Or ain l'sheker teshua, which is another way of saying that um, sheker, falsehood, does not have salvation. It has no hope. It's a matter of time before it collapses, as we know. So that's why it uses a law without a mapeke to to emphasize again weakness, which would sound like Ramesha Darshan again. Um, but again, we would ask. We know that only flattery stayed in Babel, so why would only flattery? Um, be um, something which doesn't have salvation, that's not everlasting. Arrogance also uh, doesn't have salvation, is, is not everlasting. Um, so, so that wouldn't help us in the explanation here. So, so, so now, so, uh, uh, so what we've learned so far is we understand why Rashi quotes Rabbi Meishar Darshan to say that the word law in fact means her. He named her the city. But it doesn't have a mapeke. To, because that alludes to the idea that there's a weakness to this naming, and the weakness was that it wasn't everlasting. And now, and uh, we understand why he says, I wonder how Ramesh Hadarshan would explain the literal meaning of the verses without a mapeke in the other two, other two places that we just explained, because um, the, the way he explains it here is not going to fit in the book of Zechariah and the book of Rus. Or of Rus. And then last, and, and now the Rebbe says, uh, to answer his question of why Rashi would mention the verse in the writings before the verse in the prophets, the wor- verse from Ksuvim before the verse of Nevi'im. And the reason is because the verse of Ksuvim in, in the book of Rus, the word la, right, means, um, doesn't just weaken what Rus was saying, that Boaz was not just weakening what Rus was saying when he uses the word law, but he's negating what she was saying. So it's absolutely clear that we cannot um, interpret the verse the way we interpret it um, here in our Parsha. Um, so he begins with that one where it's very clear. So he goes out of order because that one is very clear that you can't explain the way we explain it here. And then he goes on to say that even the verse in right, the Prophets we, um, also, although it's not as blatantly clear, uh, as blatant that you cannot interpret this way, it's pretty clear also that you cannot interpret this way. Let's wrap this up with 
as the Rebbe uh, does um, at times, and this is in the, uh, will be an additional um, effort to pay attention to, uh, where the Rebbe will take an idea and explain it in, on its entire spiritual plane. And I'm going to do my best to, to articulate this. Spiritually, um, these three places where we have the word law with Adam Apike are all discussing something associated with Lu'umazeh. Lu'umazeh means the other side. In general, spiritually, um, and, and, and the Tanya focuses on this a lot, we have, we discuss two realities in the world all the time. There is holiness. Holiness means aligned with God. And then there is the other side. Anything that's not aligned with God is automatically the other side. The other side we can say is, neg- is spiritual negativity. Uh, another word in Hebrew, in Kabbalistic language, is um, is klipa, um, which is negativity. And the, the, the our Torah portion is speaking about a city which was an Amorite city. An Amorite city was a Gentile city full of, full of idol worship. That's a city which uh, represented um, before no, uh, uh, the Jews ca- captured it and Noivach took it over. It was a city that represented Luumazet, the other side. Uh, there was Boaz speaking to a woman by the name of Rus, Rus uh, who turns out who, who will turn out to be a, one of the greatest women in Jewish history. However, at this moment, she's still a Moabite woman, so she still represents the other side. Not she's not a member of the holy nation of the Jewish people. And then we have the character of Bavel of Babylonia, which is flattery and arrogance. These are all this is all Umazet, things which are not holy. In general. This is very good to know, um, and, and I will uh, add links to um, a couple of other videos where I explain these ideas at length, at greater length anyway than I will now. That anything that's associated with um, the other side that's not aligned with God, is temporary. It cannot have permanent life. The, uh, um, anything that is everlasting must be an expression of God. And that's why God is infinite, is everlasting. God is the only thing that's really everlasting and anything that's aligned with God. Only Kedusha, only holiness, is true and sustainable. And absolutely sustainable. Anything that's Lumazah, it's just a matter of time till it falls apart. So Rashi says, I wonder what Drush will explain the other two the other two verses. What's Rashi saying spiritually? Okay, he's saying this. In our parsha, we're in Neivach, um, captured a city, and now it's inhabited by Jewish people. What was he able to do? He was able to hold on to it for, for, for an amount of time, whatever that amount of time was, and infuse it with holiness. But he was obviously unsuccessful in transforming the city to, to enter into a state of holiness. Because were he able to do that, it would have permanently stayed as a Jewish city. The fact that he wasn't able to, in general, when we interact with the world, Hasidic philosophy teaches us that there are there are two levels of impacting the the the, um, the world or luumazeh, the other side. One is called um, iskafia, where we manage to take something which is not aligned with God and compel it to serve God. But as long as we're compelling it to serve God, we are forcing, if you will, or compelling that trans that, that change. But that doesn't mean that the, the thing itself has transformed. And then there is ishabcha. Ishabcha is when we make a transformation, where the thing itself becomes transformed to something which is holy. 
Noivach was not successful in creating a hisapcha, a transformation in the city. We know that because ultimately it went back to Gentile nations. It, and that's why the, the name of the city didn't last. So we understand why it doesn't have a mapike. It just has because the transformation was not eternal. And we know again that when you don't have the dot in the hay, it weakens the hay. We don't even pronounce it. Right? The dot in the hay emphasizes the hay. Um, however, the other two verses, the other side was transformed entirely to holiness. We know that Rus, she converted. She became a holy woman. She became a Jew. She came over to the side of holiness from the other side. She, she was transformed. And if she was transformed, on the contrary, law, her, the hay should have been emphasized that the that the other side was comp- was permanently transformed likewise spiritually speaking bavel represents the falsehood of bavel spiritually represents the babylonian talmud because the babylonian talmud we know there's a jerusalem talmud and the babylonian talmud the jerusalem talmud was developed in jerusalem in israel and uh, but the babylonian talmud was developed in the falls in exile in, a, in an environment which was not uh, naturally conducive and aligned with Torah study and the wisdom of God. So Talmud Bavli is referred to as sheker, falsehood, spiritually, in the sense that it was able to, in the context of falsehood, um, bring out truths of Torah. Which again is a, a transformation of falsehood into truth. And so therefore... Um, spiritually, on the spiritual level, the Mapuche specifically belongs because we want to emphasize that it was transformed eternally. So, therefore, Rashi says, Vitmani, I wonder how we are going to explain these two um, other verses spiritually because on the spiritual level, they should have had, had a Mapuche because um, there is nothing um, s- stronger than holiness because it's, it's permanent. There's nothing weaker than Lumazet, the other side, because it is temporary. It's falsehood, which ultimately falls away. And the greatest strength is when someone can take the opposition to holiness and transform it into holiness. That is the greatest expression of, uh, expression of strength possible.